Good morning, church. It is good to see you. How many of you are excited to trust God and to remember him? That was a great admonishment from Will Taylor. Uh, it is so good to see you. It is February 24th already. Kind of blown away by that myself, but, uh, but still Psalm 118 and 24 rings true. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we do rejoice and are glad in it. Why? Because he is, in fact, worthy of our praise. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for me, for us, indeed my soul, and I pray yours does to cry out hallelujah, which means praise the Lord. We're so thankful that he chose to die on the cross so that we could be saved from the penalty of sin and even further from the power of sin. My name is Paul. It is a privilege to serve as pastor of this congregation, and I am so glad to see every single one of you this morning. To those live streaming, welcome to you as well. We're grateful that you chose to spend an hour of your time with us today. Thank you. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about recently just how we are seen and known by God. He knows everything about us, the stuff we put out there, the stuff we don't. He sees all of it, and particularly the mess that he sees in spite of it, or perhaps because he knew our mess couldn't save us ourselves, he chose still to die for us. He sees us, he knows us, he loves us, and he cares for us, and he has given us now that opportunity to steward, as 2 Corinthians 5 and 18 says, the ministry of reconciliation, which gives us the opportunity then to be his ears and his eyes, to see others, to hear them in such a way that they not just see, are seen and known by you, but by the Father himself. I am grateful for his love toward me, and I'm grateful that he would allow me, in the flawed human being that I am, to steward that opportunity to see and know others. And if you didn't know, the vision of Victory Church is to be reconciled to God and to each other. So we are very much called here at Victory to go deep in knowing who we are and seeing each other as Jesus sees us, encouraging each other daily so that we can walk more uprightly before him every single day. And Lord knows we need community to do that well. Amen? And that's, uh, that is who we are here at Victory. And to that and you heard Kate mention a little bit about the ways that we'd like to serve you. If there are ways that we can serve you that perhaps weren't mentioned, but in fact we are building capacity to serve you in, let us know because we are called here to ensure to the extent that we can that you can see Jesus clearly. Our goal is to make him recognizable so you can find him and encounter him, not just Sunday morning, but Monday through Saturday. We want to pray for you and with you. We want to fellowship with you, whether it's over Zoe's at our house, which is what we do, uh, or if it's dumplings or if it's something else, we want to break bread and get to know you and serve you in the ways that we can. For those of you who have been with us over the last few weeks, we have been in a series called Reconciled to God. We started out uh, the first week, um, February 3rd, I believe, um, talking about Hebrews chapter 7, uh, verse 25, uh, from the message, he's able. Um, and that scripture talks a lot about how he is able to save us completely. And so we emphasized in that message that we are not capable in and of ourselves to save ourselves. There's a gap between us and God that could only be bridged by his death on the cross. And not only does he want to save us from the penalty of sin, which we can run around this auditorium five times or ten just 
For that, we don't have to go to hell. That's good news. But then he says, no, I want to save you completely. The penalty of sin saved you from, yes, and I want to save you from the power of sin. He is able to do that. Then we went on in the following week to talk about being transformed, Romans 12 and 2, by the renewing of our minds. So while we can't in and of ourselves accomplish the bridging of that gap, he allows us to participate by being transformed. And we emphasize that conformity is the enemy of renewal. Um, And then last week we talked about Uh, as we talked further about how we could participate in being reconciled to God. uh, We talked about being blessed from Psalm 1. And how blessing isn't always what we think it is, but in God it's a distinctive spiritual joy that regardless of circumstance we could experience when we choose to meditate on his law day and night. And today we want to end the series. They'll continue talking about, obviously, how we can be reconciled to God by looking at Uh, A scripture in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, which if you're familiar with that chapter, it talks about the Ten Commandments. And today we're going to focus on the fourth one, remember the Sabbath, which if you were here the last Sunday in January, it's kind of a part two to that. That was a part of the Victorious Living series. And we talked from Matthew 11, 28, which says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So in many ways, this is going to dovetail a bit onto that. And transition us from this week to next week in next month's series, which will be reconciled to each other. Amen. Exodus chapter 20 uh, verses. Actually, we're just going to read one verse today. Verse eight. And before we read, let's just pray and ask God to give us insight and understanding as only he can. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to study the word of God together. We thank you and we pray according to your word that you would open up our eyes so that we can see all that is here in your law. Unless you open our eyes, we can't see, we can't hear, can't even think right. God, help us today. Move me out of the way and you speak and use me just as a conduit, a vessel through whom you want to speak to me and all of us in the room, the encouragement and good news of scripture so that we can walk more uprightly Take the next step of obedience and be all you've called us to be and do all you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. It's on the screen. This is in the NIV, the New International Version. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Uh, And the title of the message is Remember the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. I love to remember very often Uh, many things. Uh, Many times it's the sacrifices my parents made for me or my grandparents made for me. Uh, This month being Black History Month, I'm recalling not just my parents and grandparents and every month really, but more collectively as a country we acknowledge this month the the courage and the sacrifices, the choices made on the part of those who have gone before us that have immeasurably impacted my life in a positive way. I am absolutely grateful. Um, And my prayer is that we, in this generation, would live in such a way that those who come after us, biological and otherwise, would also regard those that came before them. To say that I'm standing and that we are standing on the shoulders of giants is an understatement, and I'll speak for me. That's an understatement. Um, And I think, too, even about the humility of those who have gone before me to allow me to stand on their shoulders, to build and extend that which they began. 
um, taking that baton smoothly and running with it uh, in the time that I have here on the planet. Um, In this text today, in Exodus chapter 20, the Israelites were essentially being commanded to regard the one who had gone before them. The one who created the world, the one who parted the Red Sea. It says, remember the Sabbath, hit the pause button, reflect, refresh in a world that cannot stop moving. And pausing for them, and I imagine for us today, or maybe it's just me, that it can be difficult. We might find ourselves at times even saying, I'm too busy to rest. I'm too busy to pause. Pausing for us sometimes looks like driving from one meeting to the next meeting, or walking from one class to the next class, right? Or picking up a kid from swim lessons to then pick up the next kid from Taekwondo, And then while you're waiting outside, you're scrolling through your phone trying to figure out what you missed. But that's the pause that we sometimes are left to deal with and appreciate. Um, I love to pause when I can with food. That's my thing. And and whenever I get to travel, which isn't often because I don't like to do it, I try to find those places that have good chicken and waffles. That's my pause button. If I can sit down, it's like everything just kind of goes out. Yes, indeed. Amen. Uh, (laughs) From this corner. Chicken and waffles. So Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. Anybody hear that? If I'm in L.A., I'm hitting Roscoe's. Gladys Knight's Chicken and Waffles. If I'm in Atlanta, I'm hitting that. I was in Phoenix one time and came home and told my wife, I said, Lolo's, baby. Lolo's Chicken and Waffles. Who knew Phoenix in the baseball stadium had Chicken and Waffles spot that good? San Diego, Brian's 24, everybody's hungry now. Brian's 24, if you're in San Diego, some of the best chicken chicken and waffles you might find. That's a pause button for me, but it's still not quite right, even when I'm hitting those pause buttons in any of those cities I just mentioned. It's not right because it's not Durham, North Carolina, where Dame's Chicken and Waffles resides. (laughs) There ought to be a praise from somewhere in the room for that, because there's something that they have called schmear. S-H-M-E-A-R, schmear. It will change your life. Roscoe's is all right. Gladys is all right. But schmear at Dames will change your life. I don't know what I'm telling this story for. I forgot where I'm going. (laughs) I'm hungry. I'm thinking about chicken and waffles now. Uh, I don't know. The pause button. We're going to come back to the Bible (laughs) and the text. Uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. But the schmear is something. It, it just, uh, can't tell you what it, what's even in it. But our encouragement from the text, and we're going to bring it back in. We're talking about pausing. Our encouragement from the text is not just to hit the pause button, right? It's not just remembering the Sabbath, but it's also, or as a part of remembering the Sabbath, it's keeping the Sabbath holy. That's where I was going, because it's only holy when the Lord is in it. Chicken and waffles is only chicken and waffles when schmear is involved. That's what I'm getting at. (laughs) When we remember the Sabbath, it's only holy when God is in it. And this book called Exodus, within which we read one verse today, because I think there's enough here to last us a few hours, and I'll take just two hours maybe to do that today. Um, The whole book really is written to reveal the presence and power of God in his chosen people through the plagues that they were dealing with while in slavery in Egypt, through certainly their deliverance from slavery in Egypt. They had been there for centuries, 
And if we go back a little bit for some context, and I think we'll shed light on meaning for this verse, back to chapter 1 when Pharaoh said, kill all of the baby boys, throw them in the Nile. They're becoming too great. Israelites, they're becoming too great. There was one mama who got a little creative, as mamas do. I'm sure we could all tell some stories about how our mamas got creative. I marvel even at the miracles that mom performed in that sewing room growing up, which is a story for another day and another sermon. But mamas get creative. This mama did. She says, okay, you didn't say exactly how we ought to throw the babies in, so I'm going to create some straw, and I'm going to put my baby in that straw and let that baby just go ahead and float and just pray. Well, that baby did indeed float, and an Egyptian, Pharaoh's daughter, even found that basket with the baby, drew him out of the water, named him Moses, and raised him. Even got uh, a Hebrew woman. She said, go get a Hebrew woman who ended up being the boy's baby birth mom to nurse him, raised him as her own. Moses grows up, ends up killing a guy in the, in the midst of a dispute, and as such, he flew to, flew. He fleed, fled, fled uh, to Midian, and he's in Midian, and while he's working there, he sees this bush that is on fire, but that's not being consumed. So he does the natural thing that I'm sure all of you and I would have done, not. He went over to that burning bush, which when I'm reading the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, I'm like, what is that for me? That's like for me, walking by the copy machine at work, I see it shaking violently, and I'm like, well, let me see what's going on with it, <laughs> right? Nobody's going to do that. Moses sees a bush burning. It's not burning up. He goes over to it. There's some respect that we can probably put on his name. Uh, that's why he's in the honor roll of the faithful in Hebrews 11, if you go there. By faith, Moses, bold, courageous, goes over to the bush <laughs> to find out what is going on. And not only is the bush burning and not being consumed, then he starts to hear Moses, Moses, <laughs> which if that copy machine were to say anything like that, that would be the fastest 40-yard dash I would ever run. <laughs> there wouldn't be any going further, not Moses. No, he goes over and says, and essentially says, yes, yes. And God then begins to speak to him through this bush. He says, take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground, which is a statement we'll come back to in a little bit. And God goes on to explain to Moses through this burning bush, what he wants to do with the Israelites by way of delivering them from Egypt, and that, guess what, he wants Moses, you, I want you, Moses, to deliver them. Moses says, well, sir, how, how, how am I going to do that? He starts talking back to the copy machine. How am I going to do that, God? Paraphrase, God says, I'm with you, go. Moses, he goes by faith, and in fact, we know he facilitates the delivery of Israel from Egyptian slavery, most notably by the crossing of the Red Sea that God parted for them in chapter 15. So now here we are in chapter 20. We find the heart of the law that legislated now how Israel is supposed to live. The essence of that law being revealed in the Ten Commandments, which we uh, are given by God through Moses on Mount Sinai here in the 20th chapter. And if you're wondering, maybe you're not, but there may be a few wondering why are we going back to the Old Testament when we're under the New Covenant? Why are we doing that? Well, the New Testament, in fact, reiterates all of these and they take it up a whole nother notch, a whole nother standard, because not only are we really guarding the letter of the law, now we're guarding the spirit of the law as well. And so it's helpful. And I think uh, insightful and useful for us to come back to the principles that help to guide the way that we, and certainly the Israelites in this context, are instructed and encouraged to live. 
The first four of the Ten Commandments speak to our duty to God. We have a creator. We have a maker to love. And out of that love for him, then we can love our neighbors well, which is the emphasis of the last six of the Ten Commandments. So part of our duty, part of our responsibility, part of our privilege is, as the fourth commandment that we're focusing on today says, to remember the Sabbath. And the author here says, remember, because the Israelites in many ways had already been instructed. If we go back just a few chapters again to Exodus 16, which helps us unpack this verse even more. Because in that chapter, having just been delivered from Egypt, those people, the Israelites, began to grumble and complain against Moses. We should have just stayed there in Egypt. Why didn't you just let us stay and starve and die there? You brought us out here to this desert. I know that does not sound like any of us in the room where God's provision of the past just seems to be forgotten. At the Red Sea, he just parted. He somehow can't deal with the desert that's now before you. I know maybe I'm the only one encouraged or reminded of that truth. But the Israelites certainly dealt with that. They forgot a little bit. And so God in his infinite mercy and his grace said, you know what? (laughs) I'm going to give you another opportunity to see me in your life. So God said to them through Moses, chapter 16, that I indeed am the one who was with you then, and I am with you now. Watch this. At twilight, there's going to be some food for you to eat. In the morning, there's going to be some bread for you. What I want you to do is gather it. Just get what you need. Don't work 25 hours in the 24-hour day. Just do what you need to do. Trust that it's going to be enough for you. And they grumbled. They complained, which wasn't against Moses and Aaron, by the way. That's an aside. It was against God himself. But God, in his infinite mercy as he does us, chased them down to help them hear and see that he, in fact, was with them. He said, gather just what you need. Don't work the eight days of the week, seven, the, the 175 hours a week. Get what you need. Now, some listened. Some did not. And those who did not found that what they gathered, you know, they tried to save it for the next day, was full of maggots and it stunk. Because they just were not obedient to the commands of God, which said, gather what you need, I will provide. Then he did say this, on the sixth day, I do want you to go out and gather twice as much. Twice as much as you need. Why? Because this next day, on the seventh day, I want you to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. So get what you need and do nothing 